0: You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, give them a big round of applause, the students put that together. Uh, Did you see that good looking kid right in the middle? That was my boy right there. Uh, I guess you didn't think he was good looking. I I think he is. Hey, my son Sam, first year ever, he's uh, joined our intern team this this week, and we're so glad. Many of you may, might have received a phone call. They're signing up kids, so uh, so so grateful for that. It's really awesome seeing our, our kids grow in the Lord and awesome time. So, hey, this morning what I want to do is um, we're going to jump into the Gospel of John. I would encourage you, uh, open up your phone. We're trying something a little different this morning. Open up your phone. Um, if you don't have the North Valley app, make sure that you download that. If, how many of you have a phone? Raise your hand. Everybody. All right. How many of you got a Bible on your phone? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you. Okay, if you don't, then go ahead and download it because we're going to do something a little bit different. We're in the Gospel of John, chapter 12. That's where we're going to be um, in a message series called Teach Me. And we're asking the Lord to teach us uh, what he has to say. It's his last and final week. And so um, we're going to look at that. Um, as you're getting there, I'm just going to give you a little personal update. Man, I got back uh, last night. And so I was overlanding. I got invited. There's a thing called overlanding. I didn't know it was called that. I just thought it was called like driving your truck in the backcountry. Uh, but apparently there's this overlanding whole scene that goes on and it's very cultish like with the Tacomas and the Tundras and the Jeeps. And yes, we'll welcome the Bronco folks into that crowd and some of the Chevy guys too. Uh, but anyway, I was out with a guy named Kevin Bald, his wife Sarah, and their little kiddo um, – Briar, what a great name for an Overland baby. And, um, and then I had my little girl Maya with me. We were out at Lake Powell, we are catching fish. We are having an incredible time. A little tired, uh, Maya was sleeping in the truck. She's hardcore, she's like 11 years old. She's sleeping in the truck. I told her, do you not want to sleep in the back where well, I have like a pickup truck with a camper top on it? She's like, no dad, I like the front seat. I look in there and she's like got the seat, seat cranked back. She's all cranked up like this. I don't know how they do it, but they can sleep anywhere. And uh, Maya slept in that front seat for two nights. And she loved it, didn't bother her a bit. But um, we had a ton of fun. We just got back last night. Um, it was uh, waters rising up in Lake Powell right now. The Colorado River is, is raging. It was really, really cool to see. Uh, had an awesome time. But I'm a little bit tired, so uh, if I come off a little slow, um, somebody can just clap your hand and say, come on, Ryan, and I'll get there. Uh, hey, this morning, we're in John chapter 12, verse 27 through 36. Um, we're going to look at kind of the context, and then we'll jump into the text. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks so much for the work you're doing in our church and the lives of young people. Um, we're grateful. God, we pray that we'd have the heart and the attitude that says, teach me, Lord. That, and I pray that for me, I'd just be a messenger of, of, of the news that we find in the life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ this morning as we look at the cross and all the implications around that cross Lord, we pray that we would take it in. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, on Memorial Day, you know, it's a weekend for me to kind of pause uh, and just think about all the folks that have served our country, the folks that have sacrificed their lives in, so that we can enjoy our freedom. And, and really, this country, we have an incredible amount of freedom uh, I, as I got in last night, I was like, Leslie, I love the United States of America. It is amazing. There's so much land, there's so much wonderful opportunity. Um, but all of that came at a price. All of the freedoms that we have comes at a price and it's individuals literally have laid down their lives. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C. before, you see the the Vietnam Memorial and you just walk and you see all the names. I had a kid in high school, a friend of mine, his uncle died in Vietnam. And so when I got to D.C., I was like, I got to find his name, Mr. Gordon, I got to find it. And I found his name and I sketched it on a piece of paper and I brought it to the family and it meant everything to them. Um, When I look at sacrifices that are made, uh, and as we're in Memorial Day weekend, and you think about the sacrifices that have been made for our freedom, let's transition to Jesus. He made the greatest sacrifice of all. Uh, He died for the sins of the whole world. And sacrifice should be a part of the Christian life. And this morning, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the reality that there's a way of the cross. We're learning all about the cross today. And then there's the way of the culture. And what I'm calling you to do is to have the humble heart and posture to say to the Lord, Lord, teach me through your scriptures, what is the truth about the cross? Um, Some people hide the cross, and so you get a steeple but no cross. Um, Some people don't want to talk about a cross because it's too offensive. But the cross is central to the message of Christianity, and it'll be central, I, I hope, and pray for you and your thinking and your theology. John chapter 12, here's where we're at. I'm going to give you an overview of John 12 uh, to catch you up, Uh, those of you that may be new. Just remember, in the very beginning of John chapter 12, it's about six days before the Passover. Uh, Friday night would be the Passover. This is where uh, the folks in, in, in Jerusalem and all throughout Israel would make a sacrifice, and it would be for the atonement of sins. And what's ironic and actually divine is Jesus Christ on Friday night will serve as the Passover lamb of God for all the sins of the world. Um, Six days before the Passover, Jesus is found in Bethany, just a few miles away from Jerusalem. He's hanging out with Lazarus. He's hanging out with Martha. He's hanging out with Mary. He's having an incredible evening together with his friends. Um, if you go with me to Israel, we can travel around and see these places and spaces that are really in the Scriptures. Now, when I read the Bible and I see these different names and locations in the Bible, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is there. I've been there. I walked that um, But this is Jesus. He's just right outside of Jerusalem. He's in Bethany. Uh, He makes his way. There's rumors that begin to pop out. Chief priests, the religious folks, now they not only want to kill Jesus, now they want to put Lazarus to death. Uh, And then continuing on in verse 12, it says that the next day there's this large crowd as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. So he shows up in Jerusalem, and they're not shouting, crucify him. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. He's being welcomed in, and just within days later, that whole crowd mob mentality will change. Um, this is the last week of Jesus Christ that we're looking at. Um, Jesus will go on after that triumphal entry. Um, he'll minister to Greeks. In verse 20, it says, Now among them w- were those that went up to worship at the feast. Some were Greeks. These were non-Jewish uh, people. And these are uh, uh folks that are maybe had a different background, but they're seek out Jesus. And Jesus says that classic line in verse 25, whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Uh, Last week, I talked about the paradox principle and how that's just like a hallmark of the Christian life that, and you hear it in football analogies, help me out, no pain, no what? No no pain, no gain. I think the Christian life is like this, um, and you can't, you, you can't hide it. The Christian life is filled with incredible joy, like wonderful joy. But at the same time, the Christian life is filled with incredible sorrow. To me, I used to think there were uh, good days and then bad days. But honestly, I, I see it more now as every day there's some good and every day there's some bad. If I really wake up and think about it, every day there's a, it's a good day in some ways. And in some ways, it's bad. There's tough things that are going on. This morning, what we're gonna look at is we're gonna look at the life of Jesus Christ. We're gonna look at this cross. Um, verse 27 is where we're gonna pick up. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read it through and then I'll come back and give you seven truths in Scripture. Here we go. Jesus is... Talked and he's teaching, perhaps to a crowd of folks that are seeking him. They're curious about the Messiah. And then he says, This now is my soul troubled, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and had heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I'm lifted from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard that from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. There's seven different truths that I want to show you this morning. Seven different powerful truths about the cross. The first one is this. It pertains to looking at the life of Jesus. Is Jesus' greatest challenge was the cross. There was nothing else more challenging for him than that cross. Um, Look at verse 27 in your Bible. It says that his soul was troubled. Um, This is immense kind of trouble. Uh, It is a troubling of the soul that would be uh, incredibly more than physical pain. It's a troubling of the soul that's at a spiritual level, like, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you feel the weight of perhaps maybe before you came to faith in Jesus Christ, that turning point. Uh, that you were overwhelmed with sin and guilt, or you were overwhelmed with the spiritual reality that this is a huge deal. For me, it was placing my faith in Jesus Christ. I was terrified of losing all my friends, all my, some of, maybe some of my family relationships. There was like a spiritual war going on in that process. I think Jesus is going through, the scripture says, he's, his soul is troubled. Is it a spiritual troubling? Is it a physical troubling? Surely he would have uh, thought about the cross. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows all sorts of… He knows exactly the day he's going to die. He knows exactly how he's going to die. There's a time in… Uh, history that tells us that uh, a military leader by the name of Spartacus died, uh, and so Rome in response crucifies some 6,000 individuals, and it most likely was during the childhood of Jesus. How traumatic that would be. That would be like lining up from I-17 from uh, North Valley all the way up to Flagstaff, uh, 6,000 Uh, crosses with individuals crucified. Surely Jesus was troubled because he thought about the cross, but I think it's more. Um, I think there's more troubling that's going on. That same word is used um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is about to go to the cross, he falls to the ground and prays, Lord, if it's possible, might this pass from me, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. It says in, in that same section that he was in deep agony and he prayed, um, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That medically can happen under immense stress and uh, turmoil. Jesus is troubled. This is his greatest challenge. He, he was troubled. And the question comes is, why is he so troubled? I think he's so troubled not simply because it's the physical pain and agony he's going to face. I think he's troubled because there's a spiritual strain that's going on. The Bible says that Jesus will absorb the wrath of God. He is the propitiation for our sins, according to 1 John 1-2. Not only for ours, but also for all the sins of the world. The Bible tells us that He takes His sin upon Himself, that He who had no sin took on sin. Jesus Christ takes all of the sin of the entire world upon Himself. He is that sacrificial Lamb that was slain on Good Friday while everybody's hiding, and after making their sacrifices, the true Lamb of God is on Golgotha. And he's making that sacrifice. I think as we look at the storyline of Scripture, that cross becomes the greatest challenge. And Jesus' response is incredible and it should be motivating for us. Um, He says at the end of the day, not my will, but yours be done. In this life, you're going to face challenges. You're going to face incredible uh, challenges from relational conflict. People will turn against you. People will not believe in you. People will disappoint you. Um, I'm sure Jesus felt that. In fact, that same word for trouble that we found in verse 27 is the same word he uses when Judas betrays him in John chapter 13, which we'll get to. This suffering that Jesus is going through is like the suffering that oftentimes we go through it's the emotional, it's the spiritual wear and tear. Uh, Church planters, ministers, missionaries oftentimes uh, talk about the immense pressures that they face. What is going on? It's a spiritual burden that's being uh, borne and carried. Some of you will go through suffering and challenges of relational conflict, emotional conflict, challenges and financial. What challenges are you facing right now? Jesus faced challenge you're not alone. The first truth is it was the greatest challenge in that Jesus had ever faced and would ever face. But at the end of the day, his heart is humble and he says, not my will, but yours be done. Second truth I want to share with you this morning from the cross is found in verse 27. It's understanding that it was Jesus's choice to die. Um, He chose willingly to die as a sacrifice for sins. Um, It says in verse 27, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Um, The reality is, is that you have choices to make. And the reality is, is that you have a choice every single day. Will you live for yourself or will you live for God? And if you live for God, you're dying to self. In a very metaphorical way, you have to choose every single day to die to self so that God may reign and rule over your life and and minister through your life. It's that paradox principle. Jesus willingly went to the cross when he's before Pontius Pilate. Uh, He says, For this purpose I was born. In other words, This challenge, this uh, hardship, uh, this sacrifice that was needed is part of why… exactly why I'm here. I think Christians have to understand that challenge and tribulation, all of that is just a part of the Christian life. Some of you will face challenges more than others. What is that challenge? Is it financial, emotional, relational? And you have a choice to make with every challenge… You have a choice to make. Will I live for myself or will I live for God in this moment? The hour has come, is what the Scripture says. You have a choice to make. Will you follow the way of the cross or will you follow the way of the culture? I'm concerned right now for American Christians. I'm concerned because I think that if it's fair to say uh, we spend far more time being perhaps a uh, influenced by media more than the Messiah. I, I, I feel and see and read, I just heard a, a guest speaker, a president of Lifeway Research speak about this, and he spoke about how Christians today are consuming easily four to six hours of the same kind of messaging from a particular news media individuals. Not, not just the outlet, but the individuals of the, the host of the program. And so, um, they've in a sense, uh, and, it, and there's nothing wrong with gaining media and learning. But the problem is, if you, right, if it's fair to say, if you look at the media and listen to it, so much of it is filled with anger, hostility, hate. Uh, there's very much divisive language. I mean, in journalism, they say if it bleeds, it what? reads. Those of you that were in journalism knew that. The rest of you, you're like, what? Uh, If it bleeds, it reads. That's media. That's how this thing works. And what about social media for our younger generation? I think there's a choice to make and that parents, you got to step in and help them make the right choice. You follow the way of the cross, you follow the way of the culture. You know what the the social media message is? You can be happier if you do this. Uh, You need that. You need this it fights and kills our contentment. Um, We're losing our identity and our distinctness as Christians in so many ways. This is why there was a big shakeup in the churches all throughout uh, the post-COVID pandemic is people just said, it's too hard. Uh, I'm out. Um, But churches that are non-denominational by and large have been growing. Churches that keep preaching the Bible, keep calling people to live the Christian life, um, they're growing. There is a lot of hope. This year, we're so excited. We're helping start a couple of different churches. Um, we're helping start a church. July 30th, uh, down in the East Valley, Gilbert area, um, Flatirons Church, Brian Pacheco. How many of you guys remember him? Real quick. Raise your hand. Some of you va- vaguely. Um, I don't know. Uh, is Nolan, are you Nolan, buddy? Nope. Okay. You got a, you got a lookalike named Nolan. We got a church planner named Nolan, that's coming in, and uh, we're helping plant him in surprise. Um, There's a lot of great things going on, but there's a lot of challenges in our culture. The question is, are you going to follow the way of the cross, be a dedicated disciple of Jesus Christ, your Messiah, or are you going to follow the way of the culture? Our kids are digital disciples, and their master is the media. Don't be that. You've got a choice to make. Number three, seven truths about the cross. The Father confirmed it. It was all a part of God's plan. Look back in your Bibles in verse 28. It says, uh, then a voice came from heaven. That, that's supernatural. Imagine you're there with Jesus and all of a sudden you hear something. Some people say, oh, it was an angel. Uh, maybe that's the sound. Other people said, no, it was Thunder. It's very interesting because the Greeks uh, worshiped the uh, uh, pagan god Zeus, and he was the god of thunder. So god, god the Father, I don't know what happened here, but it's a very audible. And he says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Verse 29, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said it is an angel and spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come in for your sake, not, not mine. This voice that happened, it happened at the baptism of Jesus when Jesus was self-identified with John the Baptist's message at the Jordan River. Um, A voice came out and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. The voice broke forward another time at the Mount of Transfiguration. A voice came out and said, this is my son. Listen to him. This is very unique. Uh, God the Father is confirming Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ. Um. I think this is helpful for uh, maybe seekers that are seeking the Christian faith, that they can find some signs to be encouraged. Like, there's my sign. I believe in Jesus Christ. I think if you go to Africa or far off uh, places and spaces where uh, people are unreached, I think you're going to see more miraculous signs and events happening. And the reason why is because God's trying to establish His authority and the clarity of it. But I think what happens for you and me is sometimes we look for confirmation in our faith, and I think the cross is your confirmation. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament, it predicts, the prophet Isaiah says he would be crushed for our iniquities, that he would be pierced for our transgressions. It was all predicted You and I have the scriptures. Here's what you have as a believer, a confirmation over your life that God's at work in your life, loves you. He is who he says he is. You have the cross. You can go to Golgotha and see the place. You have the empty tomb. He's risen again. You don't need a voice from heaven. You have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, leading you, convicting you, guiding you, helping you, comforting you. You have the Scriptures. You have all all, all that you need. The Apostle Paul says you have every spiritual blessing. You've got your confirmation, friends. Just keep walking the way of the cross. The Father has confirmed it. It was confirmed at the cross. When you see that sign of the cross, just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for for your love for the for me. Thank you for your love for the world." What else did we learn about the cross? Number four, I would say clearly Jesus conquered Satan at the cross. Your Messiah is a warrior. Your Messiah is a victor. He says, now this is the judgment of, the, of this world, the cross. It's what judges people. Can you acknowledge that what the cross means is that people need forgiveness, that people are sinners and lost, and they need a Savior? Jesus Christ is the judgment of the world. That cross is the judgment of this world. And then he says, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Well, who is the ruler of the world? It's actually Satan. He's ruling in this world in so many ways. It's dominating all everything that we see doesn't mean that uh, there's no victory in Jesus Christ. Look what it says, that word is cast out. It's the same word that is used in Ezekiel to describe that that Satan was cast out of heaven, Lucifer. In Revelation chapter 20, that word cast is cast into the lake of fire. Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. And here it's mentioned again. The ruler of this world will be cast out. Jesus has conquered Satan. He's let him run and rule around for a while. But Colossians tells us that he's disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame and triumphed over them. Uh, Jesus has conquered Satan. So here's what, how does this apply to you? I think for you, you need to realize that you are, li- as a believer, you need to live a life of understanding that you're on the winning team even in a dying, losing world, you're on the winning team. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, every day you can wake up and say, I'm claiming victory for the life that I have in Jesus' mighty name. What that means is, is that as a believer in Jesus Christ, that you do not have to pay for the penalty of your sin. You don't have to go atone for it. You don't have to go wonder and question, will I get to heaven? If you believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus paid it all, amen? The penalty of sin was paid for at the cross. That cross represents the vertical relationship that you have with Jesus Christ and the horizontal love that he pours out on the world around. That all who believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Every single day, you need to remind yourself that Jesus Christ is the king and he's already conquered Satan. The penalty of your sin has been paid for. Um, The power of sin has been broken. Perhaps you've struggled with an addiction. Guess what? Jesus is greater than your addiction. Greater than the substance that you fight, this temptation that you have. You have a overwhelming supernatural power that is not possessed by people that do not know Jesus Christ. You've been given every spiritual blessing you can find freedom. You can find help. You can find healing. You might visit a, a counselor to get through what you're going through. You might need to read more scriptures and ask God to help you to work it through. But you have victory in Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered Satan. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities. You do not have uh, death. You have life. Number five, I would say, is that the cross, to me, as I look at it, I'd see. It's a place where you can say, it's where we all have common ground. You have common ground at the cross. Uh, Not too long ago, I visited a a ministry called Alongside Ministries. I don't know, how many of you guys are familiar with that ministry? Yeah, it was really a special time. So, these guys at Alongside Ministry, they're ex-offenders. And like, uh, they went to prison for something uh, significant. They have violated the law. They were thrown into prison. Uh, various reasons as to why uh, they went into prison. And then they make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. They come out and it's hard to, you know, assimilate back into culture, right? Who wants to hire uh, an ex-convict? So alongside ministries comes alongside of them and helps them, encourages them, supports them, helps them go get a job. Our church visits and ministers there. Uh, Many of you have been there before. And uh, one night I decided to go along and see what they were doing. I walk in and it's, uh, these are all born again uh, believers. These are all men. Uh, they're all tatted up. They look big and tough. They work out like every day, you know. I don't know if that's a prereq for, for prison and post-prison, but you're buff, you know. Um, some of us might need to go to prison just to get worked out, you know. Uh, so these guys are tough. They're They're bowed up. I walk in and literally like the first thing out of my mouth is, I'm thinking like, what, what are you in for? Like, that's completely inappropriate. You don't ask that at a dinner. Um, so I, I bit my tongue. Thankfully, nobody heard me uh, say that. But I'm sitting there thinking, man, what is this guy in for? And instead of talking about what he was in for, I asked him about, what'd you do before prison? And he told me, man, I love to hunt. I love to, you know, go explore the back country. And I said, really, that's cool. Where'd you go? And he said, a Congress, Arizona, just all around Congress, and Hillside. I said, "Man, that's really cool. That's, that's where I go explore." And he's like, "Well, tell me how is everything doing out there?" And I told him all about it, and we spent the evening talking about the things that we had in common. But, well, you know what we had more in common than anything? A love for Jesus Christ, an awareness of our need for Jesus, awareness of our weaknesses, awareness of our downfalls and our reliance on God's word and Jesus Christ. The cross is that common ground for all people. Look in your scripture, John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, and when I'm lifted up from the earth, that's the cross. He said, I'll draw all people to myself, all people. All kinds of people. I think when you and I get to heaven, we're going to see it's filled with all kinds of people. Some of folks that are in heaven, you're going to be like, how did you get in? Other folks are going to be like, man, it's amazing to see everybody here. Um, The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What you have in common with every person on the planet is that every single person on the planet sins. Every single person on the planet, they violate God's law. They violate God's ways. And so what this ought to do for you and for me is produce in us a level of compassion and empathy. Sin is sin. The only unforgivable sin is rejecting Jesus Christ of unbelief. That's the only unforgivable one because you can't, you can't, he can't forgive you unless you Place your faith in Jesus Christ. That cross is the common ground for all people. Um, You're in need of a Savior. um, If you don't know Jesus Christ, and even as a believer in Jesus Christ, you still need Jesus Christ and you still sin. Uh, It's just been paid for and you have eternal life. It's the common ground for all people. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I'm having conversations with folks uh, that are far from God, for me, I will get to my weaknesses or I will get to my struggles because that's a place that we can meet. Everybody struggles, everybody needs, um, everybody goes through hard times. Uh, Nobody's got a perfect marriage. Nobody is perfect. Everybody struggles. And I think as a people, when that cross becomes more central, we begin to see, man, hey, we're all on the same ground. We're all sinners in need of a a Savior. Amen? And so, never rise above it. I remember years ago, um, there was a conference. uh, It was called the Passion Conference. Louis Giglio was an evangelist and Uh, there was a big, like, wave of revival in American culture, much like there is happening today. Like, I don't know if you guys saw um, some of these college campuses. They're, like, experiencing revival. And there's really wonderful things happening. But back in the 90s and and, uh, early 2000s, it was the Passion Conferences. And uh, there was one preacher, he's passed away now. His name was David Busby. And I remember listening to him, and he said something along the lines of, I never camp too far away from my depravity. And he got my attention because I love to camp. And then he said, but I never camp too far away from my depravity. And what he meant by that is I never want to forget. And I go too far away from remembering just how messed up I am and how much I need God. And I think what happens sometimes in the Christian life is we forget perhaps our, our struggles and we ignore them so much. And then we just keep moving on. And then guess what? We don't need a Savior because we are our own Savior. He said, I never camp too far away from my depravity because from that area, I can see the need that I have for Jesus Christ. Um, you never want to go too far. You, I want to encourage you to share your faith. And when you're sharing your faith, share your struggles. And tell them how Jesus Christ is making an impact in your life and the hope and the healing that you have. Some of you are going through an incredible uh, time and you've been through uh, a lot of misery. Well, your misery could just be your greatest ministry. Sometimes your suffering and your trial and your troubles that you're facing, it turns out to be one of the greatest things that you can impact people with. Um, So, just encourage you in that it's the common ground. Number six, some people are just confused by the cross. They're just confused by it. Verse 34, it says, So the crowd answered him, We've heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Um, The Son of Man was a title that was given... um, by uh daniel to refer to the jesus christ as messiah they're confused about who jesus is and it's much like we are today a lot of people are confused about who jesus is they'll tell you well he was a great leader a great teacher um and that is true but he's far more than that he's the messiah he's the savior um you're going to meet a lot of confused people. If you're confused about who Jesus is, He claims that He's God. Um, he was born of the Virgin Mary, uh, a supernatural birth, uh, an incredible, miraculous life, performed miracles, uh, predominantly all around the Sea of Galilee in that area and, and throughout Israel. Uh, he proclaimed Himself to be God. He is fully God, fully man. Um, he died so that you and I might have life eternally. Some are confused by it. The cross is not not an important feature. Um, As I've said before, but if you… you visit a… a Mormon temple or uh, place of worship, there is no cross, and the cross is removed, and it is just a steeple because the emphasis is the resurrection, Um, not at all the cross. There can be no resurrection without a cross. Uh, the cross is a central part of, of Christianity, and it became that way during the time of uh, Constantine when he had the soldiers painted on to their shields. And uh, many, many say it was a controversial, did, was Constantine truly a, a believer or not? Uh, history um, can't persuade us convincingly either way. Nonetheless, the cross becomes the main sign. And the cross nonetheless is… Um, a huge symbol for Christians today. Some people are confused by it. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. A lot of people don't understand it at all. I think of the Roman soldiers were there at the foot of the cross. They were deeply confused by it. They're mocking and jeering at our Lord uh, while he's serving as a sacrifice for sins for, for all, even them. Um, don't be confused by the cross. I heard a story of a, a, a man that walked into a jewelry store and he wanted to buy a, a cross for his wife. And so he goes into the jewelry store and asks if he can see uh, uh, some cross necklaces. And the jeweler uh, hands out two crosses and she says, do you want one, just a plain cross or one with the little man on it? Uh, having no idea who this little man was, it, it is Jesus. A lot of people are confused Uh, by the cross. Number seven, the cross changes people. Uh, I am who I am because the cross. I found forgiveness. Um, I am who I am because I realize that God can do something great and redeem people. I do what I do because the cross is a message of hope and forgiveness and healing. The cross changes people when they realize that we all come to the cross together. We all have our own sins, our own struggles, and our own ways. The cross is the redemption for us. It is that forgiveness that we can find. It it changes people. This is what John uh, recorded for us in verse 35 in closing out. He said, so Jesus said to them, uh, the light is Among you, for a little while longer, walk while you have light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Um, Did you know that when you become a Christian, you actually, there is a change. You become somebody different in many ways. It's not like you get a new brain and a, and a, and a, uh, a different heart. Physically speaking, but you are born again uh, spiritually speaking, and I do think God does rewire the desires and the emotion in the emotions of your your being at some level. When I became a Christian, I really felt like God did give me a new level of desire and hunger and thirst for um, study. I didn't like to study, and all of a sudden, I started to like to study. And then I went to school and graduated from college, and then went and got my master's program. I think God rewired and changed me. When you become a believer, you change. Things change. That's part of walking away from a life of uh, sin and starting to walk towards Jesus Christ and giving Him your sin. And so, what the Scripture tells us is that we were all in darkness at one time, but that faith in Jesus Christ calls us to live as a new life and live as children of light. The Apostle Paul said, if anyone's in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. Uh, today, after our service, we're baptizing individuals, men and men, and uh, a young boy. Uh, Brett, who's in his 30s, and then uh, we're baptizing a young boy, Aiden, who's 10 years old. And on the shirt, you'll see it says, I am new. And what that represents is that um, they want people to know that they're following Jesus Christ that they live for Jesus Christ, and they are a new creation. Um, Maybe that's you. Maybe uh, you've been a believer for a while, but you've never really gone public with your faith. Um, That is a declaration to saying, I'm a part of Jesus's uh, uh, church. I'm living for Jesus Christ. Many men and women in our church, we've broke all sorts of records in baptisms, and I hope that we continue to Lake Pleasant's coming up. Many of you will, might want to get baptized there. That'll be awesome. Um, we're, uh, be very public, which is the way uh, the ministry of Jesus has always been. But the cross changes people. And I pray it changes you and I to produce us uh, far more um, empathetic, uh, loving, loving, uh, more of Jesus Christ in our life and less of our self. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray for this morning and just the opportunity to look at your scripture. I pray that um, where there's areas of change, might that change. Uh, we love you and we need you. Uh, we ask for your guidance and your help uh, to apply these truths to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, um, in just a few minutes, we're going to take uh, communion together, but before we do, I, I think there's a couple of different ways we can respond um, this morning to this message, and uh, I want to share with you uh, about that. Uh, one is through giving, the other is through communion, and I want to tell you about a giving opportunity and what's going on in our church right now. Um, as I've said before, our, um, we're seeing incredible opportunities to help plant more churches. Um, We're helping start a church in the East Valley. Um, A gentleman by the name of Brian Pacheco came and preached here. That church is launching July 30th. Um, We're going to have some of our folks go and be a part of that. When you give to the Hope Offering above and beyond right now, it's going to help get them going. So please be in prayer about that. Um, We have Orbit Church that we're getting ready to launch, uh, Lord willing, in early January uh, or the new year. Could take a little longer. Um, We've got another church called the Garden Church. Um, Pastor Nolan, his lookalike is right over there. And uh, I thought he was coming this morning. And so, um, we're helping start them. They're launching in September uh, in Surprise, uh, starting that church. And these individuals have done an incredible job. Um, We've got a missionary in Scotland right now that is in need of continued support, which we pledged. And then, on top of that, with our finances as a church, we've got scholarships that we're trying to award by Tuesday for all of our camps and all of our kids. And, guys, um, all of that is incredibly expensive. All the costs went up on camp. Um, We've had more scholarship requests than we've ever had in this church. And so, what I'm asking is that you would help us as a church consider giving above and beyond your regular giving. So that we can cover up and meet these needs with scholarships and, and support missionary support and starting these new churches, I'm praying the number is ten thousand uh, dollars that would help us to meet these needs. As if you were with us earlier in the year, I shared with you about how just kind of our quarter one, uh, 2023 has been a lot uh, leaner than it was in 2022, and that's just inflation. You know, that's part of inflation and what's going on. So. Would you pray about that, helping make up that difference? Some, um, I'd ask that you consider uh, giving uh, to some to help with some of those needs. Or maybe some of you can help with all of it. And I would encourage you to consider what you could do to help make a difference. Uh, My wife and I, whenever we get into a spot like this, we'll give something uh, because we do want to help. And so I'm going to pray that it's multiplied uh, for us. And so let me pray for that. Heavenly Father, in the giving, I just pray that we would respond and that we would give, Lord, as you've provided at some level and maybe some of us can do a lot more. Um, So I just pray all these needs are met and for your name and fame so that more and more men, women, and children's lives are changed by Jesus Christ as we fund the ministries and missions to help... um, make an impact on the younger generation and the generations to come through church planting and missionary work. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.